Big thanks to NASCAR for sponsoring this episode of Pass Gas. Netflix's newest docuseries, NASCAR Full Speed, follows drivers as they battle for one of the biggest titles in all of motorsports during the 2023 NASCAR playoffs. Get an in-depth look at who these drivers are off the track and how they and their teams navigate the physical, mental, and emotional challenges of competing for a championship at the world's highest level of stock car racing. After all, the race to the finish is just the beginning. Watch NASCAR full speed on Netflix to catch up on the characters, competition, and chaos that define the 2023 championship before NASCAR heads to Atlanta this Sunday, February 25th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Fox. This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere Thursday at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Jeremy Clarkson is one of the world's most famous authorities on cars. His global popularity is due in part to his 27-year career as host of BBC's Top Gear, easily the most popular and influential automotive show of all time. In its heyday, Top Gear had an estimated 350 million viewers per week who tuned in from over 200 different countries. Clarkson hosted a whopping 399 episodes from 1988 until 2015. But by 2005, Clarkson had upset so many people and groups that the Independent put him on trial for various crimes and declared him guilty. But beyond the car community, Jeremy Clarkson is known as a bigoted, racist homophobe and for being a climate change denier. But to most of the car community, he's a lovable douchebag, the drunk uncle at everyone's holiday table that you hate to love. How did it come to this? Why is Jeremy Clarkson so revered by car enthusiasts, yet reviled by almost everyone else? Are we able to separate the art from the artist? Or are his actions unforgivable? All that and more for today's 150th episode of Past Gas on the legendary, incomparable, and notorious Jeremy Clarkson. Past Gas. One hundred and fifty guys. That's wow. A, we've done that a lot. Yeah. Let's take a trip back in time. Yeah. <laughs> let, to really understand past gas, you, <laughs> you need to understand podcast the wheel. Yeah. <laughs> As of course a reference to our six part. Uh, <laughs> How's that? Five part. Five part. We yeah. decided to start with literally the invention of the first two wheeled vehicle. Yeah. Ever. Didn't even have pedals. Look. Um, I want to apologize. Again, I feel like I've already apologized for the Hells Angels series. It was too long. It was too violent. Very disturbing. And it was right at the beginning of quarantine. Oh, dude, I was in it. I was pounding rich energy drinks, thanks to Joe here. who Yeah, I bought him a case, and then... I drank all of them. I drank 30 of those. (laughs) Dude, so many of those episodes of Past Gas during that time were because I was able to pound one of those at like 8 p.m. Yeah. And just keep on writing until like 2 in the morning. Yeah. And I think it shows. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, those are definitely uh, late night 
uh, rantings. Well, yeah, the 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 Hell's Angels ones, but also notably the McLaren episodes. I remember pounding a f- or one of those. I like Rich Energy. I think it's a good. I think good it flavor. tastes good. It tastes it's like pretty. It's weird that it didn't. It's succeed. like a nice little cotton candy flavor. Mm. Uh, it's it's smoother than Red Bull. From I'm, glad, anyway. I'm glad you're apologizing for past episodes. You know who doesn't apologize? Yeah, Jeremy Clarkson he certainly does not apologize. This guy. What can't you say about Jeremy Clarkson? Just real quick though, I I just want to thank you, dear listener. Whether you're a new listener, whether this is your first episode or you've been with us for a long time, I just really want to thank you for sticking by us, listening to the show, supporting the show, yeah, telling friends. You. Thank you so much. I we all in this room love doing podcasts. This is like one of the only time, not the only times, but it's so fun to just kind of like be free in this uh in this medium you know like and it's cool to see you guys reach out to us and give us feedback and give us uh big ups (laughs) yeah and when you guys remember jokes that we don't remember saying it really feels (laughs) i don't remember jokes from like the last episode i i blacked out and people were like what's up uncle jackie in my dms and i'm like what does that mean (laughs) are you a podcast fan or a freak (laughs) but seriously all your support is so appreciative and i just i love i love doing podcasts podcasts are like one of my favorite mediums and it's so cool that we get to do this and i'm I can't believe we made it 150 episodes. We, yeah. Yeah, this is great. Whenever we do videos, we're trying to get done as fast as possible because we make a lot of videos. And when we do a podcast, our producers have to be like, guys, yeah, enough. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the script, guys. 150 um, episodes. Wow. But that's almost, what, three years? Yeah. Yeah. My name is Nolan Sykes. Thank you so much for joining us uh, today. I'm joined by my co-hosts. We got James Pumphrey. I've never seen this man before in my life. And Joe Weber. Slime up, wink, wink, army. Give me back my son. (laughs) (laughs) So 150, 150. huge milestone. uh, And a huge subject to tackle for this huge milestone. We've been wanting to do this guy forever, uh, both on the podcast and, you know, on our history uh, type of videos on our YouTube channel. And it's a very daunting task. Very delicate situation. Very delicate because... I mean, if I'm honest with myself and with you guys, I wouldn't do what I do if it weren't for Jeremy Clarkson. Yeah. I think he he's the best at what we do that's ever yes. been. No question. Like, he's the GOAT of automotive media. I think anyone out there will agree. And that is reflected in the fact that almost everybody in this forum, everybody in automotive media, totally rips him yes. off, myself included. Yes. They started that, like, three guys razzing each other, but also having fun and... People have tried to copy it, and it, no one can quite pull it off like they did. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you guys you guys have it pretty down. At some point, we made the decision to actively not try and be Top Gear because we just knew we never could. So. Yeah, but now you have a great dynamic, and it's not... I mean, it's like an updated version of this where it's less razzing on each other and more mm-hmm. just like friends hanging out. I think every car YouTube channel, uh, you know is chasing top gear at some point whether they realize it or not because at the end of the day like the format that they came up with three people in a car is just so good it's about as good as it gets it's about yeah it's the archetype for what we do and jeremy clarkson was a huge like he was a huge part in making that happen top gear and jeremy clarkson are pretty much inseparable even though top gear was around before jeremy Mm -hmm. like he he and andy wilman brought it back and made it what we know today uh, dream top here, Doug Demuro, uh-huh. Zach Efron. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> okay. And uh, 
Anna Taylor Joy. <laughs> okay, I want <laughs> I want Kevin Hart. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Christy Yamaguchi. Okay. <laughs> and Jim Brewer. <laughs> <laughs> Go boy. <laughs> yeah. Joey Fatone. Uh-huh. Nice. Great. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, in sync. Joey Badass. Oh wow. Oh. And Joey from Friends. Right. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, we're not just here to talk trash about the current Top Gears, although they're fine. We're here to talk about Jeremy Clarkson, where he came from who he became, and the reasons why it is so conflicting to have him be my... Like, I don't look up to anybody, mm-hmm. really, except for him, as far as, like, professional career goes. So, without further ado... Adieu. Let's get into it. Let's do it. <laughs> tonight on BBC America. Tonight on... <laughs> tonight on Pascas. Let's give it a spin. Jeremy Clarkson was born on April 11th, 1960, surprisingly recently. Are you trying to get ahead of a tragic death by reading first? <laughs> yeah, I I'm sure there's one. Uh, there might, I don't know. In the town of Doncaster in Yorkshire in northern England, mm. uh, famous for making the pudding that's not really pudding, more of a roll. <laughs> Dude, I fell, when I was skateboarding, I fell on a rail and had to get a... Doncaster. (laughs) (laughs) His father, Edward, was a traveling salesman who specialized in tea cozies, which are jackets for tea. (laughs) Uh, While his mother, Shirley, (laughs) while his mother, Shirley, Shirley worked as a teacher. Though his family had a four-bedroom farmhouse in an idyllic village, his parents consistently struggled to provide. When it came time to look at schools for Jeremy... His parents put his name down for a number of schools without knowing how they'd make tuition payments. But just before Jeremy turned 13, the year before he would start boarding school, his mother gave him and his sister Joanna a pair of stuffed Paddington bears. Hmm. The toys were a hit, not just with Jeremy and Joanna. Soon, Edward and Shirley began selling the off-brand Paddington toys all over the country through the family tea cozy business. So tea cozies are little blankets for your teapot. Yeah. And then now you're selling... Knock off Paddington's. Wait, yeah, the, the blankets go over, or they it's go a under? little. It goes over. It, it like keep, keep I think it, it warm. keeps it warm. Oh, okay. Yeah, keeps like, it cozy. Yeah, hence the name. Yep. Oh, like a beer cozy. It's like a jumper, <laughs> a little which romper is, which for is your a sweater for your teapot. Yeah. Um. So she was making these off-brand Paddington bears. Yeah, Paddington. You might know from Paddington Two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, both those movies are amazing. Dude, Paddington 2 is a great movie. Yeah. Unfortunately, the unofficial bear side hustle wasn't exactly <laughs> legal. And eventually, Michael Bond, the creator of Paddington, found out and sued the Clarksons. Whoa. That's big bear money coming that's in. Big, that's big bear. Yeah. Mike Bond. Michael Bond. I'll crush your skull <laughs> with me hands. Don't get me confused with my cute little bears, mate. <laughs> I am not playing around. <laughs> Edward traveled to London to meet with Bond's lawyer, but by sheer coincidence ended up in an elevator, a.k.a. a lift, with Bond himself. <laughs> The two men immediately got along, so much so that Bond not only dropped the lawsuit, but gave Clarkson the licensing rights to keep making their Paddington bears. Wow. With the rights in hand, the Clarksons sold their bears to Britain's most popular toy store, Hamleys, 
And this is how the Clarksons generated enough income to send Jeremy away to the family's first choice boarding school, the prestigious Repton. Ooh, sounds serious. That's so funny that, hey man, you're actually pretty cool. Yeah. How would I give you the license to my bear that I'm actually suing you over? Yeah. What a turnaround. I won't crush your skull like a walnut. <laughs> well, I was just talking to Matt, um, our boss, about this. Like, mm -hmm. I was like, do you know how Jeremy Clarkson's family made money? And he was like, that's an amazing story. But he's like, there's a lot of people making donut merch, like, in China or, like, elsewhere. Mm -hmm. yeah. And he's like, you can just do it and we'll split the money. Like, he's like, can I just hire you to do it? Because you're doing a good job. Like, make, like, I don't know if anyone out there has a merch business, but <laughs> making physical stuff is very, very hard. And just, like, the logistics of it are really hard. So. Um, often, it's it, knowing that it doesn't seem, even though it is insane, doesn't seem that insane. Mm -hmm. That's true. Jeremy later said he was miserable at Repton School. I was miserable at every school, except the School of Hard Knocks, where I thrived. <laughs> yeah, I got my degree in business at the School of Hard Knocks. My profile picture is me sitting with my sunglasses on in my car. And I'm giving a finger to whoever. I'm in AP crack. Sour. I'm in AP crack cooking this year. <laughs> Uh, I'm majoring in the grind mentality. <laughs> and since he was away from his parents, he started acting out. Though Jeremy never struggled academically, he spent most of his free time drinking, smoking, and generally making a nuisance of himself. <laughs> like I said, this guy's my hero. <laughs> this is kind of what I was doing. <laughs> Until recently. <laughs> Somewhat surprisingly, Jeremy was also a victim of some pretty extreme bullying, which could possibly explain some of the more unappealing parts of his public persona. Though his time at Repton was difficult for Jeremy, it may have been worthwhile in the long run. F1 engineer Adrian Newey and former Top Gear executive producer Andy Willman were his classmates. Now, we'll talk more about Andy later. He's a big part of this story. But eventually, Jeremy's antics caught up to him. And just two months before his A and just two months before his A level exams, he was expelled. Okay, so to Americans, A levels are like your owls. <laughs> They're a big deal. And so nice. it's tough nice. to get expelled right before him. Nice poll, dude. Thank you, man. I'm a Gryffindor Ravenclaw rising. <laughs> <laughs> What's your Patronus? <laughs> my Patronus is um Ooh. What is my Patronus? Oh, a cobra. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, and then yeah. yours is like a majestic buck. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a buck. Not uh, just like a big deer, but like a like a big like a reindeer. Really big deer. Yeah. <laughs> reindeer with I sharp antlers. I'm a house Hufflepuff. Really? Yeah. And then my Patronus is an octopus. That's tight. Yeah. Dude, that's super tight. Yeah. They're gonna take over the world. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> We're not doing a very good job. Jeremy had few career options when he left school and moved home to help his parents stuff their little Paddington bears. <laughs> his parents were obviously furious about his expulsion, but according to Jeremy, I knew something would come along. Something always comes along. It does in my life anyway. Sick. <laughs> he wasn't wrong. Around this time in 1977, Jeremy passed his driving test, allegedly behind the wheel of his grandfather's R-Type Bentley. He later said, true to his nature, when the examiner told me the previous day that I had passed my test, what I'd actually heard was, congratulations, Jeremy. You are, without a shadow of a doubt, 
the single best driver I've ever seen. I felt invincible. Well, he didn't feel invincible for long. Only 37 hours after he got his license, Jeremy careened his mother's Audi off the road and into a herd of sheep. Bat. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Great sound design. But he learned from the experience, and the accident had a profound effect on his driving. He's proud to say he's not had a single accident on the public roads since. Oh. I had three accidents in high school. Damn. And I haven't had one since. Nice, dude. Did you just keep crashing the same car? Uh, <laughs> I crashed my 240. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, naturally. Oh, I've had four, I had four accidents. Oh. And then I crashed my GTI three times and totaled it twice. And then Wait, wow. rebuilt you it. You fixed it after it was totaled? And then yeah, that's what you do when you're 16, 17. I almost drove into someone's front den or whatever. <laughs> really? Their front living room. But I swerved to the last second and hit their tree in the front yard. Oh, man. <sighs> I drove across my friend Brandon's dad's front lawn one time. Oh, yeah. I was blocked in. Yeah. And he, he called me, and he was like, hey, did you just drive across my lawn? I was like, yeah. He's like, my dad says you're not allowed over for two weeks. Oh, <laughs> two weeks? <laughs> yeah. We used to get banned from each other's house. <laughs> we'll be right back with more of this story. But first, a word from our sponsors. Big thanks to NASCAR for sponsoring this episode of Pass Gas. Netflix's newest docuseries, NASCAR Full Speed, follows drivers as they battle for one of the biggest titles in all of motorsports during the 2023 NASCAR playoffs. Get an in-depth look at who these drivers are off the track and how they and their teams navigate the physical, mental, and emotional challenges of competing for a championship at the world's highest level of stock car racing. After all, the race to the finish is just the beginning. Watch NASCAR full speed on Netflix to catch up on the characters, competition, and chaos that define the 2023 championship before NASCAR heads to Atlanta this Sunday, February 25th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Fox. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. There's something about the Clarkson men that puts them in the right place at the right time. Shortly after Jeremy's accident, he ran into an old family friend who was the general manager of the local paper, the Rotterham Advertiser. The two got to talking, and the family friend told him he should apply for the paper. Jeremy had an admittedly slim resume, but as absolute luck would have it, he had an even deeper connection to the paper. His grandfather, a doctor, had delivered the editor's first child during a World War II air raid. The editor was still so grateful for the grandfather's help that he gave Jeremy a job. At first, Jeremy wasn't a great reporter. He often forgot why he was interviewing someone, including a bereaved woman, and couldn't keep up a professional facade to save his life. According to seem like forget why he's interviewing a crying woman. <laughs> <laughs> According to Les Payne, a coworker who shared a desk with Jeremy, quote He was a younger version of the Jeremy Clarkson you see on TV. He mucked in with the rest of the office, but he was very much a man who expressed his own opinions. 
My name's Les Payne. <laughs> I'll crush your skull like a walnut. <laughs> After training at the Advertiser, Jeremy moved on to write for the Rockdale Observer, Wolverhampton Express, and Star, and then Lincolnshire Life and the Associated Kent Newspapers. His first outlet as a motor journalist was for the Shropshire Star. Jeremy said, quote, I started small on the Shropshire Star with little Peugeots and Fiats and worked my way up to Ford Granadas and Rovers until about seven years I was allowed to drive an Aston Martin Lagonda. <laughs> it was ten years before I drove my first Lamborghini. Dude, if that's the case... I'm kicking his ass. Yeah. <laughs> I drove a Lamborghini in Italy after like three years. You drove the Pagani. I drove a Pagani Huayra BC after two years. That was crazy. Good timeline. Good timeline. I didn't even never even, I've never even driven a Ford Granada. <laughs> Regardless of timelines, Jeremy couldn't shake the feeling that he didn't want to work for anyone else. Jeremy was living in Fulham and was surrounded by small businesses. He just needed an idea to start his own. The final straw came when he came home from work to his then-girlfriend and started telling her about the new office furniture. I knew at that moment that I had to leave. Jeremy later told BBC Radio 4, Because when new office furniture becomes so important that you even mention it, pack your bags, get out, move 200 miles away. <laughs> he hasn't always talked like that. No. I'm working on the subtleties of that. Yeah. We'll work through it. In 1984, at age 24, oh, he's younger than my mom. Uh, that is crazy. Uh, Jeremy finally made he the looks way older than my mom. <laughs> yeah, like if someone was like Jeremy Clarkson, 75 years old. Yeah, you like, believe it. Yeah, he looks. He looks. I think it's because he's probably smokes like two packs a day. Honestly, not anymore, but he did for a long yeah. time. Those Brits love their ciggies. Uh, Jeremy, sorry, at age 24, Jeremy finally made the leap and founded the Motoring Press Agency alongside fellow journalist Jonathan Gill and started conducting road tests for local newspapers and automotive magazines. Oh, interesting. So it's like a private, con you just like your contractor, basically. That's, that's kind of cool. In 1986, Jeremy became a regular contributor to- He's basically like a motor journalist, like, pimp. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I thought you were going to say like, a normal freelancer today, but, no, but motorist he, didn't pimp he, didn't is he, also good. Didn't he have people working for him that he would send out? Oh, probably, yeah. In 1986, Jeremy became a regular contributor to Performance Car Magazine, a gig he kept up until 1993. Three years later, in 87, Jeremy was hit with the Clarkson family luck once more when he met Top Gear researcher John Bentley at a Citron launch. Citron is a French Citron. car company. We don't really mention them that often on we anything we do. Mm -mm. Yeah, uh, well, they do make some fast front wheel drive. The only time we mention them is when they break like a Nurburgring yeah, record for like true. fastest front wheel drive. And car. I think uh, Sebastian Loeb, another driver, we don't yeah. really talk about that much. We he, should he do drove an on rally Sebastian cars. Loeb. Yeah, he drove rally cars for Citron for a, a long while, and he was they, they dominated. Yeah. Great car. Let us know if you want us to do an episode on Sebastian Loeb. Or Citroën. Very or fun. Citron. Well, we Citron. promise we'll learn how to say it before. Citron. 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 <laughs> Citron. Uh, Fiat. John Bentley later said that Jeremy was, quote, was just what I was looking for. An enthusiastic motoring writer who can make cars on telefant. <laughs> he was opinionated and irreverent rather than respectfully po-faced. The fact that he looked and sounded exactly like a 20-something ex-public schoolboy didn't matter. 
nor did the impression there was a hint of school bully about him. I knew he was the man for the job. It's safe to say if you know who Jeremy Clarkson is, it's from Top Gear. But Top Gear as a show had existed for a full 11 years before Jeremy signed on. I had always wondered about this. If you've never seen it, old Top Gear focused on key motoring-related topics that could be explained in a 30-minute format, including road tests of new cars, consumer advice, road safety, and motorsport. It was very, like, if you've seen Motor Week, like, yeah. old, it's, it was kind of like that. The new Pontiac Grand Prix. Yeah. <laughs> I love, what's his, John, is it John Davis? His name? Uh, maybe. He's a Garfield guy? Yeah, John yeah, Jonathan Davis, Davis from Corn. <laughs> yeah, also hosted Motoring Week. <laughs> the engine sound is great. There were also a number of specials focused on different motoring events, like the 24 Hours of the Mall and the British International Motor Show. But the show was missing a bit of space. Much like British cooking. Yeah. Damn. Nice. Nice. That's roasted. A little bit of personality, a little bit of humor. Jeremy joined the team in 1988 and co-hosted primarily alongside former F1 driver Tiff Nadell, Tom Boswell, and Tony Mason. Though he was a little stiff in his early episodes, he soon loosened up and grew into the authentic, hilarious, and controversial host that millions love or hate. Ooh. This, this transformation was clear in his clothing, too. Originally, Jeremy wore a blazer, tie, and chinos, but soon he trashed those for his signature tight jeans and leather jacket. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think there's a lot to be said for Jeremy's wardrobe. You know, people kind of rag on James for his... Yeah. James May, not yeah, yeah. you, James. Uh, James and, and May. And Richard Hammond. And Richard Hammond for their clothing options, mm -hmm. but, like, Jeremy's is... It's, it's pretty all, wild yeah. sometimes. And if you look at those old Top Gear episodes, he looks like Lars Ulrich. <laughs> <laughs> a giant Lars Ulrich. He's got, like... Big hair. Oh, he had a huge curly afro, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. He had a big curly afro, and he would wear, like, a biker jacket. Yeah. And <laughs> he was probably, I mean, definitely younger than me, probably younger than Nolan. He was probably early 20s, mid-20s. Whoa, yeah. So he was, it was totally appropriate for him to wear that, but yeah, he, he already looked 45, yeah. so he looked like a dork. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what it is. It's because he looks so much older than he is, it just yeah. doesn't match. Yeah, because he joins when he's 28 years old. He uh -huh. joins Top Gear, Yeah, and then two years later, that's when he gets... So he's 30. Yeah, he's 30 wearing a leather jacket, yeah. which is totally appropriate sure, for a 30-year-old. Yeah. That's yes. a 30-year-old jacket right there. Yeah. But... But he looks 45, yeah. so he already looks like a dork. That's crazy. <laughs> wow. That makes so much, like, everything, it's it's like clicking into place, the age thing. <laughs> yeah. That's what the, oh, wow. The program grew in popularity once Jeremy joined the cast, and he quickly became notorious for his blunt criticisms of cars he didn't like. For example, when it came time to cover the Vauxhall Vectra, he told viewers, I have to fill seven minutes with a car that doesn't merit seven seconds. Ooh. To be clear, this is probably one of the least offensive things that Jeremy has ever said on camera, but it's a great example of how he won the trust of car lovers across the world. Things were going great for Jeremy professionally, but off camera was a different story. In 1989, he married his first wife, Alex Hall, who left him only six months later for one of his friends. Hmm. He didn't find love again until May 1993 when he married his manager, Francis Kane. Hmm. The couple had three children. They were married for over 20 years. Uh, they divorced in 2014. Mm -hmm. But back in the 90s, 
1993 was a good year for Jeremy. Not only did he get married to his longtime partner, but he made his first independent special outside of his main gig at Top Gear with Clarkson Star Cars. Great name. <laughs> the four-part series focused on cars made famous by television, like Thunderbirds, Fab One, or the Ford Capri used by the professionals. We uh, tried to make a show like this a oh, bunch yeah. of times yeah. called Hero Cars. Um, never really worked. In 1995, he fronted two six-part series of BBC's Clarkson's Motor World about car cultures around the world. We've also tried to make that show. Uh, See, it's just every it's, it's <laughs> flat circle, man. Yeah, as well as Jeremy Clarkson's Motorsport Mayhem, his first straight video about the thrills of motorsport. 1996, he released VHS exclusives, more Motorsport Mayhem. And Jeremy Clarkson unleashed on cars, which followed him as he tried to find the world's best car. You wouldn't like if I was unleashed on cars. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a flashback to have, like, VHS series. I know. Like, Dorf on golf. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that doesn't hold up anymore. <laughs> no. 1997 brought Apocalypse Clarkson, also a Whoa. VHS release, which was about his journey to find both the best and worst cars in the world. Then in 1998, Jeremy's career really picked up steam. He released Jeremy Clarkson's Extreme Machines, a six-part series where Jeremy drives some of the most impressive record-breaking powerboats, military planes. He drives a plane? Yeah, that dwarf is in that episode. <laughs> Super tankers and model cars. Ooh. He drives model cars? Uh, he also hosted the first season of Robot Wars. Hell yeah. Hell dude. yeah. A series where teams of amateur and professional roboteers made robots fight, which sounds a lot cooler than it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can basically it's just like run fun. two RC yeah. cars into each other. And one of them has just like a shovel. Dude, yeah. the, the wedge always wins. Yeah. Yeah, you got to make a wedge robot for sure. But the year wasn't without its own set of troubles. Jeremy started to gather the kind of notoriety that people in the car community are probably used to from him, meaning that he said something that crossed the line and had to apologize. Hyundai UK filed an official complaint with the BBC when Jeremy made, quote, a bigoted and racist comments at the motor show in Birmingham. Dude, do you know how bad it's got to be for, like, a company to go talk to your company and mm -hmm. be like, hey, he said some stuff. Yeah, yeah I mean, this what he like, said was pretty bad. Yeah, it's not just like, an, like I would never make an offhanded comment at dinner, uh, but, like, it's not like an eye roll. You know, it's like, we need to take action on this. While at the Top Gear stand, Jeremy had apparently claimed that Hyundai's staff had all eaten dog and then specifically alleged that the designer of the XG had probably eaten a Spaniel for lunch. He also called the Germans Nazis a few times. Uh, in response to the complaint, a BBC spokesman replied, Jeremy's colorful comments are always entertaining, but they are his own comments, not those of the BBC. More often than not, they are said with a twinkle in his eye. See, I think this what? is like... That's a terrible yeah. apology. Why would the, you start with Jeremy's comments are always entertaining? Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, like, yeah. he's like, okay, okay, let's just all agree that it was hilarious, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> all right, but uh, we don't mean it. I think we're going to see this pattern. And this is kind of like how everyone goes to bat for Jeremy. Is like He is very funny and very charming, so for some reason that makes it okay, uh, yeah. which it doesn't make it okay. Well, I think it was also a theme of like white men in entertainment mm -hmm. 
for a shock till like a shockingly recent like time. Two years ago. Yeah. yeah, like watch any of the movies that we that were like formative when we were in like middle school and high school. Four white guys. Yeah, it's like four <laughs> white guys and like really racist stuff, really homophobic yeah. stuff, really sexist stuff. Like American Pie does not hold up. No. <laughs> As you can see, despite his tendency to put his foot in his mouth, the BBC loved him uh, to a sort of terrible degree. In 1998, they gave him his own talk show, Clarkson, which aired on BBC Two. The show ran 27 half-hour episodes from November 1998 until December 2000 and featured guest interviews with musicians, politicians, and TV personalities. The show is considered controversial and received tons of formal network complaints, but garnered Jeremy the kind of fame that he was after. He seemed to get off on being offensive and poking at people, even though he later suggested that people probably found his shock tactics tedious. But that doesn't mean he'd stop being Jeremy Clarkson. Not for a long shot. I think for a lot of Americans, uh, we don't realize how big a personality or like all of the guys media presence. Yeah, all of them. Like all of them host like multiple specials. So many different shows. James May still putting out shows. Yes. Uh, like, Jeremy Clarkson has like tons of like history specials. Mm -hmm. Like they're all like really smart guys. Mm -hmm. Like unlike a lot of American media personalities, like they're all like really good writers with like really interesting interests. Like, Jeremy Clarkson has done, like, a feature-length special on, like, the Battle of the Bulge. They all are super, super famous. Jeremy left Top Gear in 1999 and decided to burn it all to the ground in his weekly newspaper column, calling Birmingham, where the show was filmed, the armpit that masquerades as Britain's second city. Birmingham. Chicago. You know why they call it the second city? It's for the first city burned down. Oh. And they built on top of it. Oh, really? That's oh. why it's called the second city. Wow. Duck close. Zip. Zap. Zap. These are deep uh, improv jokes for everybody out there. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy went on to host another single six-episode series called Clarkson's Car Years about different defining moments of motoring, as well as a VHS DVD exclusive called Jeremy Clarkson at Full Throttle, where he drives experimental cars and offers his opinions on it. I think it's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> in 2001 he released speed another single six episode series about the history of different fast vehicles as well as clarkson's top 100 cars the premise of which is self-explanatory jeremy clarkson ranks 99 cars <laughs> <laughs> i everything it, there's like 25 shows that he hosts and everything is just the slightly same. different yeah, it's all the same <laughs> yeah motoring madness Motoring mayhem. <laughs> Motoring mayhem. Crazy cars. <laughs> cars gone crazy. Wheels gone wild. <laughs> Meanwhile, at Top Gear, James May took over for Jeremy. But audience figures quickly fell from a peak of 6 million to under 3 million viewers before the show was canceled in 2001. He's a big draw. Yeah. So, uh... Don't fire your, your main host. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but Top Gear didn't die there. The BBC decided to relaunch the show in 2002 with a new spin, thanks to Jeremy and his producer slash friend from Repton, Andy Willman. It wasn't actually that the BBC just decided out of nowhere. Uh, they put together a pitch. They put together a pitch. Jesse 
to me. Got it. So he writes all the emails. And makes sure that stuff gets done. Even if I don't feel like doing it, Jesse's like, you have to. So, like, I think Clarkson's definitely the heart of Top Gear. Uh-huh. Willman is the brain. You can't really talk about Clarkson and Top Gear without mentioning Andy Willman. Like, he kind of goes under the radar in a lot of discussions about the show, but he is... He's the Larry David to Clarkson's Seinfeld. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And after the show was canceled, uh, you know, uh, in 2001... They kind of, Andy Willman, you know, left, but, you know, he, he very much considered it his show, even though he didn't start the show. He's uh-huh. like, okay, we got to, we're going to bring it back. Like, yeah. we didn't do it right the first time. We were still finding our bearings, but we have May, we have Jeremy. Uh, let's do it for real this time. Bigger budget, bigger everything. Let's make the biggest show in the world. This is, uh, there's a great book uh, called On That Bombshell. Uh, that I that I listened to. Um, it's all about behind the scenes of Top Gear. It's written by this guy named Richard Porter, who was uh, uh, Top Gear script editor for 13 years, and he was pretty much on board with Top Gear from the very beginning of the second iteration that we're about to talk about. Um, and that's where I got that little piece of information. So, so they, in summary, uh, the burning to the Elton John. Yeah. <laughs> so they came back to BBC, pitched it, and now it's a, it, they're going to go with it. Um, so, yes, they decided to relaunch the show in 2002. Uh, Willman and Clarkson developed a mainly studio-based format that would focus on banter between the presenters. Those presenters? Jeremy, of course. Richard Hammond, nicknamed the hamster for his name and small stature. And, of course, auto journalist Jason Daw. Not James May. James May had initially declined to offer the host the show, but then saw how well the first season did and joined then. Um, it's funny watching that very first season of Top Gear, the reboot, with Jason Dog, because you're like, who the hell is this guy? Yeah. Uh, he's actually he's okay. He's okay, but May was definitely meant to be He's there. no May. Needless to say, the show was a hit. The new iteration of Top Gear became the most-watched show on BBC Two, with over 6 million viewers on the home network alone. Worldwide, the show aired in more than 200 countries with an estimated audience of 350 million people at its peak, I should say, not early on. That's every single country. That's <laughs> I thought there were only ni- 194 countries. Our producer is telling us that the U.S. only recognizes 195 countries. Well, that's like 32 people work at Donut. Yeah. And I only recognize like <laughs> 12 of them. <laughs> jk everyone everyone here works really hard and i appreciate everything that everyone does top gear has been listed by the guinness world records as the highest viewed factual television show in the world and generated about 50 million pounds a year for the corporation's commercial arm bbc worldwide it was a massive success of course it wasn't like that overnight it took about 10 to 14 seasons it's a show about cars and it's one of the biggest television shows on the planet yeah also richard porter loves to say in his book, I think he makes this joke like three times about the most factual pro or like factual program. He's like, I don't think we were factual. Oh, you know? that's um, cheeky. Yeah, pretty good. It's a great book. Check it out. But 350 million people is insane. That's a lot of people. I mean, it's less views than we get. <laughs> Wait, on a single episode, Honest, 350? Yeah, they're killing us, dude. Dude, they're like killing Mr. Beast. Yeah. Uh, in 2002, Clarkson hosted Jeremy Clarkson Meets the Neighbors. On a single episode. Yeah. 350. 
Wow. Where he drove a 1960s Jaguar E-Type. They didn't even have to build a Willy Wonka effect. No, they did not. Where he drove a 1960s Jaguar E-Type around six European countries. The show has been criticized that's basically just Jeremy driving around and confirming his own xenophobia. But the Jag looks good. He's probably just talking shit. About France. About France, about Spain. He's like... What is paella? Or what is paella? Yeah. Why do they do lunch for so long? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he also hosted Clarkson No Limits, where Jeremy gives driving demonstrations on things like how to stay in control when going sideways or how to pull the most Gs when you're cornering. Some cars featured in the special include the Lamborghini Murcielago, the new TVR Tuscan R, the Mitsubishi Evo 2, and the Bentley Arnage. <laughs> In 2003, Jeremy further explored his passion for modern examples of engineering in speed and extreme Still machines. all the same. It's titles. all the same shit. Those are literally <laughs> two of his old shows combined to make one <laughs> new show. He also... Like such machismo. Yeah. It's like big balls in the car. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy Clarkson, this strong arms. This car. <laughs> <laughs> this car will give you Big bollocks. Uh, he also regularly participated as a panelist for the aptly named Grumpy Old Men, a show about middle-aged men talking about any issues of modern life that irritated Give them. Give them a voice. I'm sure, yeah. dude. I Finally. Bet, I bet that show. <laughs> I bet that show's aged so well. Give yeah. them a voice. I need to know what they think, dude. <laughs> the thing about Generation X is they don't understand. <laughs> How finances work. Although, based on my health history, I am probably middle-aged right now. Oof. I have the eyes of a 40-year-old. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> Where do you keep them? <laughs> Where do you get them? That's for me to know and for you to I find out. See. We'll get back to more past gas, but right now, a word from our sponsors. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. In 2004, <laughs> Jeremy released a, another series called Inventions That Change the World. A, That's a great one. I've actually seen this one. It's yeah. very good. It's on Amazon if you want to check oh, it out. sick. Most and, of this stuff is probably on Amazon. Yeah. And a VHS DVD exclusive called Clarkson Hot Metal. <laughs> Metal! <laughs> where he compared 80s cars with their modern counterparts and then blew up a Ford Scorpio with an RPG. Wow. Whoa. That's pretty cool. We should do an RPG. Have you ever seen yeah. Dark yeah, totally. Tourist? No. no. It's I've seen a really good made by the yeah, same guy. Same guy made Tickled, but uh, he does like offbeat tourism things. Uh -huh. But one of them is going to, I think, Cambodia to blow up a cow with an RPG is like a tourist thing to do. And he gets there, he he does he can't do it. He's like, I can't, there's no way. What is he? He doesn't eat meat? No, he's just like, I I'm not gonna blow this cow up. <laughs> He's he's from New Zealand, so I think he has a different view on that sort of stuff. He's really like the way he analyzes stuff. He's great. Is really cool. Is, uh, yeah, David Ferrier, right? Yes. Yeah, he's great. 
Uh, Jeremy also released the first of eight volumes of his book series, The World According to Clarkson, which is a collection of his Sunday Times columns, which I'm also sure have aged no, very well. <laughs> also around this time, Jeremy kicked off a decade-long feud with British journalist Piers Morgan. Hell yeah. After yeah, the, fuck Piers yeah, Morgan. After the latter, uh, Piers Morgan, published photos of Jeremy with a woman who wasn't his wife. Jeremy responded by pouring a glass of water on Morgan's lap on the final flight of the Concorde in 2003. <laughs> See, dude, that's tight. As Jeremy, yeah, I, I think this is... Because yeah. he knows that there's going to be pictures taken of that flight uh -huh. when they get off, and it's going to look like Pierce Morgan peed his yeah. pants. As Jeremy left the plane, he told other journalists that the idiots wet himself. <laughs> then, yeah. then, a year later, Jeremy punched Pierce Morgan three times in the head at the British Press Awards, scarring Morgan's left eyebrow. The two eventually made up in 2014 during a five-hour drinking session at a pub in West London, citing that neither of them had the energy to keep up the feud. It is hate, hate, uh, hating on someone really takes a lot of energy. It does. So, we mentioned in the opening that even though Jeremy Clarkson is a hero to many of us in the car community, he is undeniably a problematic one. And during this second iteration of Top Gear, Jeremy kicked his foot-and-mouth offensiveness to a whole other level. The list of offenses is long, but kind of necessary to address. We're going to keep it chronological and somewhat simplified because he gets himself in trouble a lot. For a long time, Jeremy Clarkson was the enemy of environmentalists everywhere, so much so that in the fall of 2005, when Jeremy was presented with an honorary doctorate for engineering from Oxford Brookes University, he was also presented with a banana meringue pie to the face by an environmentalist. Go uh, him. Yeah. Go him. However, Jeremy took this incident in good humor, responding. I agree with environmentalists, but it seems, I just, there's... Every protest they do is so lame. Well, also, who, where the fuck do you get a banana meringue pie? I've never oh, even heard of that. lovely, though. Sounds good. Jeremy took this banana pie incident in good humor, responding, good shot, and subsequently referring to the protester as banana girl. Got her. Got her. But Roasted. it wouldn't be long before Jeremy found himself in trouble with polite society once more. While talking about a new Mini Cooper on Top Gear that was considered quintessentially German because BMW made it, Jeremy made a Nazi salute and then suggested that the Mini's GPS only goes to Poland. Oh my God. In 2005, for the seventh season of Top Gear, Jeremy drove the Bugatti Veyron in a race across Europe against a Cessna airplane. It's a pretty good episode. The Veyron was Volkswagen's 850,000 pound, over a million dollars, technology project built as the fastest production car in the world that could still feel practical on the road. Jeremy won the race against the plane, but said, quote, It's quite a hollow victory, really, because I've got to go for the rest of my life, knowing that I'll never own that car. I'll never experience that power again. Allegedly, he reached 240 miles per hour, but ultimately ran out of road. In 2006, Jeremy voiced the UK version of Harv from Cars, the, <laughs> the, the computer voice, and then drummed up more controversy when he used the phrase ginger beer, which is rhyming slang for queer, in a derogatory manner after an audience member's description of the Daihatsu Kopen as being a bit gay. Uh, Jeremy also released another special, Clarkson, the good the, bad, the good, the Bad, and the Ugly, in which he pits European supercars against America's finest, including a race of a mountain between a Cadillac Escalade, a Hummer H2, and a Range Rover, and a head-to-head -head race between a BMW Z4M and a Dodge Viper SRT10. Then, 
he blows up a Harley Davidson for good measure. Noise. I rented one of those Z4Ms on New Year's Day with Max, and it's really cool. I bet. 2007 was a big year overall for Jeremy. It was his first appearance on the Guardian's Media 100 list, which lists the most powerful people in the industry. He came in at 74, not only in looks. <laughs> That's like an Amy Schumer roast joke. <laughs> Jeremy and James May became the first people to reach the North Magnetic Pole in a car. Uh, great episode. That's so good. Uh, as shown in the Top Gear Polar special. Cars used to reach the pole were two 2007 Toyota Hilux double cab three liter diesel pickup trucks, a Toyota Land Cruiser 120, and a trailer, all of which were heavily modified by an Icelandic company, Arctic Trucks. The special wasn't without its criticisms, of course. The BBC Trust wasn't too happy with the hosts for a scene that showed them driving in a vehicle on top of international frozen waters. Jeremy turned to the camera and said, Please do not write to us about drinking and driving, because I'm not driving. I'm sailing. Yeah, they're like drinking champagne because yeah. they made it. It's funny. That same year, the Top Gear team faced one of their greatest challenges when the three hosts alongside Top Gear driver the Stig decided to participate in the 24 Hours of Silverstone, hosted by Brit Carr. The team drove a BMW 330D, and despite ending in 39th out of 60 total cars, they placed third in their class, which is very impressive. Another great episode. Yeah. I think they crashed their car into the Mosler at one point. Oh, no. Um, is that a diesel 330? Yeah. It was, yeah. It's an E46 diesel car. And they had the classic gag of the doors open, and one of the doors says penis, and the oh. one says arse. Wow. Yeah. As the sponsors. Mm -hmm. Well, we did that with the money pick car. Yeah. Yeah, we <laughs> ripped them off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but ours was... Uh, our sponsor wouldn't let us put 69 on it, so we put six on one door and nine on the other. Yeah. Got him. Pretty funny if you know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> it's a thing you do in high school or something, I guess. And then Well, Henry Ford. Oh, Henry Ford would 69 with Edison all the time. <laughs> and the Teddy Roosevelt and Teddy. was there. Was he? I mean, Sure. Uh, Jeremy also <laughs> wrote and presented Jeremy Clarkson, The Greatest Raid of All Time, a documentary about the World War II Operation Chariot, the 1942 commando raid on the docks of the Saint-Nazaire in occupied France. This particular special was fully in his wheelhouse, as several of his specials and many Clarkson-focused Top Gear spots have military theme. Boomers love World War II. Yeah. <laughs> I forgive it a little bit though. I mean, it was World War II was a huge thing, mm -hmm. especially if you lived in Europe. Like yeah. London got bombed. Mm -hmm. So even with like the Nazi stuff, like I don't think we should let Germany off the hook totally for being Nazis. Like they fucking tried to take over the world twice mm -hmm. last century. Uh Italians were Nazis too. So <laughs> I think they're so into it because it was our the last great like victory for good mm -hmm. like yeah now everything's like politicized and yeah. kind of like over weird stuff like oil for example you may have seen clarkson escape a challenger 2 tank in a range rover or evade missile lock from an apache attack helicopter on a related note by the end of the year jeremy became a patron of help for heroes a charity aiming to raise money to provide better facilities 
to wounded British servicemen. The military ones, like like those episodes, the, the tank ones, or like they're trying to get across or go through that town without getting hit by like the yeah, SA. Those are like they're the boring so ones. Yeah, they're pretty boring, honestly. Yeah. But I like the because, adventure ones. Yeah, the adventure, the adventure ones, ones. They're trying to find cooler. the beginning of water. Yeah, in and Africa. like you kind of have to look at the military ones through like the lens of at that time in the early two thousands. Is like Britain was involved in the like Iraq invasion. Mm -hmm. Like that was like kind of carrying water for the for the military at right. that time. Where it's like, hey, isn't this sick? It's an op. Yeah, it's I 100%. Think not. My favorite episode that stands out is the one where they went to America and got muscle cars, mm -hmm. and then. It uh, was also kind of problematic because they spray painted. Is that painted. Grand Tour? Oh, was it Grand Tour? Well, they uh, they went to America a, a few different times. So the first time was the the uh, NASCAR drivers are puffs uh, incident that and you're talking they, about. Yeah, that was just with, like in, regular crummy cars. They almost got their asses beat. Yeah, at the gas station. Then they uh, they went. They came back again a few years later. That's when they drove muscle cars. They had okay, the I'm Challenger getting them confused. Mustang. Like classic ones. Uh, no, like the new ones. Oh, and then they that came back. Top Gear? That was Top Gear. Okay. And then they came back. They've come back again for Grand, uh, Tour. Grand Tour, where they did basically the same thing. That was like the premiere of Grand Tour. Yeah. Yeah. They went to Detroit. Right. Yeah. Detroit. Detroit. A city strange and falling. They call it. <laughs> they call it Motortown. If you, again, just back to the influence of Top Gear. Every almost every car YouTube and TV show with cars in it has that editing style. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. that's the way you shoot cars now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but there's a new one. In 2008, an internet petition was posted on the Prime Minister's number 10 website to make Jeremy Clarkson Prime Minister. By the time it closed, it attracted 49,446 signatures, which is not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy later commented he would be a rubbish prime minister uh, as he's always contradicting himself in his columns. That same year, Jeremy pissed off the Labor Party, who he is consistently very critical of, when he made an off-color joke about how lorry drivers murder sex workers. Hmm. That is an off-color joke. I feel like he did that one a lot on Top Gear. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> a politician, that's bad. A politician in Ipswich, where five sex workers were murdered in 2006, wrote a strongly worded letter to BBC demanding they fire Clarkson. Jeremy addressed the controversy in his Sunday Times column the next weekend, writing, There are more important things to worry about than what some balding and relevant middle-aged men might have said on a crappy BBC Two morning show. This is... A model of defense, which I'm not a huge fan of, where it's like people either sidestepping or downplaying, downplaying their own influence. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You're one of the biggest people in media. Yeah. Millions of people watch what you yeah. say every week. Like yeah. you can't pretend you don't have accountability. Exactly. Yeah. This obviously wasn't his first time frustrating British politicians, nor would it be his last. Jeremy kept at it in July 2009 when he was reported to have called then-British Prime Minister Gordon Brown a silly during a warm-up while recording Top Gear. But, come on. Joe Biden's a silly <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I mean, we're, again, it is different because it's in Britain. Yeah. You know, Britain's a very polite, uh -huh. posh kind of focused place, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, if you watch... 
British reality shows versus American. You can definitely see it. Mm-hmm. He had previously called uh, P.M. Brown a one-eyed Scottish idiot, which got him in tr- trouble with the Royal National Institute of Blind People and many Scottish politicians. 2009 was also the year that an activist group named Climate Rush dumped horse manure on his lawn to protest his tirades against environmentalism. In 2010, for his series Speed... Aptly named. Yeah. Jeremy installed an English electric lightning F1A jet fighter in the front garden of his Oxfordshire home. The lightning was later removed on the orders of the local council, which wouldn't believe my claim that it was a leaf blow-up. (laughs) 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 Then in a Top Gear episode that aired in August, Jeremy described a Ferrari F430 as as special needs... Well, at least he didn't say the R word. And said the car, which was owned by James May, made him look like a simpleton. BBC fielded the resultant complaints once more. What does that mean? Fielded? And then just... Yeah, they were like, yeah, I mean, but... He's, he's, at least he didn't say the R word. He didn't say the R word, <laughs> and he said it with a chewing yeah. queen his eye. <laughs> He makes us very much money. Uh, yeah, that's kind of the thing. At the like, end of the day, we don't have anyone else to replace him with to give us as much money. The BBC. All we got is Russell Brands. Yeah, the BBC is Top Gear. Then you have like weird panel shows called like QI, where they make jokes about current events. Yeah. You have gardening shows, and then you, you have, have Graham Norton. Uh, Graham Norton and Idris Elba. Yeah. <laughs> that one show. Oh, like, Benedict Cumberpatch. That's all they have. And yeah. like only one oh, of Downton those. Oh, Abbey. But like only one of those is like making money. And that's yeah. Top Gear. Top Gear is probably way cheaper to make than Downtown Abbey. No. Actually, <laughs> Top Gear eventually like the budget was so big for the show yeah. that like <laughs> the government had to step in. Because what? the really? BBC was spending so much money. Is this on the the public, yeah, public, I mean it's public, yeah. Uh, company. Yeah. In 2011, Jeremy was ranked 49th out of 50 on Motor Trends Magazine's power list of 2011. Even at that time, it should have been like number one. Are you kidding me? Number one. (laughs) I bet David Freiberger got (laughs) ranked higher than he did. Uh, Then Finnegan. (laughs) He also appeared in Forza Motorsport 4 and released his final video release, Clarkson Powered Up. Oh, yeah. (laughs) where he attempts to find his favorite car of the year while on a Formula One testing circuit in France. Oh, Circuit Paul Ricard, I imagine. I love Paul Ricard. He makes the best seasonings. (laughs) 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 Vehicles driven included the Ferrari 458 Italia, McLaren MP412C, and Nissan GTR. I've got to figure out what my favorite car of this year is. (laughs) <laughs> that's his pitch. Yeah. That's, what, that's yeah. what he brought to BBC. Buy my six VHSs. Jeremy, it's 2011. <laughs> <laughs> he also continued his grand tradition of offending just about everybody. In September, he argued that the UN should seriously consider abolishing other languages like Welsh, stating all it does is provide a silly maypole around which a bunch of hotheads can get all nationalistic. Then in November... While being interviewed on BBC's The One Show, he referenced public sector workers striking over pensions and joked, 
I would take them outside and execute them in front of their families. Oh, that's bad. That's tough. Yeah. Yeah. That's not really a joke. That's not even funny. not a joke at all. That's a threat. <laughs> the remarks got over 21,000 complaints to the BBC within 36 hours. Then in a column for The Sun in December, he described people who jump in front of trains as Johnny Suicide and argued that the train shouldn't stop to allow first responders to collect their bodies. He's getting worse. Wow. It was more gratuitous and graphic than that, but um, you get the picture. What? 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 would. Because if you think about it. <laughs> Don't you see the twinkle in my eye? <laughs> now, aside from the fallout after making a series of jokes about Indian culture on the Top Gear Christmas special, as well as frustrating a group called Changing Faces that supports people with facial disfigurements, 2012 was a pretty quiet year for Jeremy Clarkson. In 2013, <laughs> he was one of 2,000 attendees at Margaret Thatcher's funeral, as well as a presenter on Forza Motorsport 5. Then in 2014, during Top Gear's Patagonia special, oh yeah, this one oh, is yeah. tough. Jeremy candidly revealed that he drove the Porsche 928 to the hospital to his father's deathbed. He claimed that if he had not taken the Porsche, he wouldn't have had the opportunity to say goodbye to his dad. And that's me reading a death. Wow. Uh, on an entirely unsympathetic note, in 2014, uh, some unaired... Is it the Patagonia one the, with the license plate? I think so. It's the, but they go to Argentina, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the one. Yeah, there's like yeah. a problematic license plate uh, referring to the, the Falklands, Falklands war. war. Yeah, so the story in that is the guy, okay, the book that I uh, listened to, Richard Porter's On That Bombshell, uh, He they are like adamant that it was a coincidence. Like it was a literal in international incident between yeah. Argentina and Britain. Uh -huh. Both the actual Falklands War and this, mm -hmm. like... I think they're 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 circling the wagons still and being like it was a mistake. Yeah, like there's no way they will never admit that that was yeah. a, that was on purpose and it had to dude. It's Top Gear. Yeah, they did the shit all the time. Yeah, it had to have been. And they thought it was so clever. Okay, so what happened was that one of the cars had a license plate on it that's I think it was like FLK and then the year that the Falklands War happened or something like that, uh, which in itself was like a like a huge. Again, international incident, conflict between Britain and Argentina, still controversial, especially in Argentina. So to have that license plate was obviously poking poking the bear a little bit, trying to get a rise out of people. Yeah, so that was a big deal. On an un entirely unsympathetic note in 2014, some unaired footage from Top Gear revealed that Jeremy had used the N-word while taping in 2012. It was later reported that the BBC, fed up with his antics over the years, gave Jeremy his final warning, Jeremy. No more times, no matter how bright that twinkle is. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't clean up, you will be fired. Jeremy Clarkson had offered up his irreverent opinions countless times. To backlash from advocacy groups, to environmentalists, to liberal politicians. But still, the BBC stuck by him because that freaking twinkle in his eye <laughs> sure jeremy was problematic but he was their star the reason people seemed to love him was for the very opinions that others hated him for but in march 2015 enough was enough after a day shooting an episode of top gear a day that jeremy later described as quote the most stressful day i had ever had 
in 27 years at the BBC. The host returned to the Simonston Hall Hotel in Yorkshire Dales, hoping to have a steak for dinner. Since it was 10 p.m., the hotel chef had already gone home, so Jeremy was offered a soup and a cold meat platter. Jeremy lost it. According to an unnamed witness, Jeremy hurled, quote, every bad word you can think of towards the producer he believed at fault, an Irishman named Oisin Tymon, before he had finally landed on lazy Irish and punched the producer in the face. Tymon was later treated in the hospital, and even though he told police he didn't want to press charges against Jeremy, the BBC couldn't look the other way this time. It's kind of a rule that you don't punch a producer in the face. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fine rule. Yeah. <laughs> Shortly after the incident, the BBC announced that the next episode of the show, set to air on March 15th, wouldn't be broadcast, and it was later announced that the remaining two episodes of the series wouldn't air either. Shortly after, the BBC decided not to renew Jeremy's contract. Jeremy later wrote in his column, Everybody has stressful days, and they managed to cope better than I did. And on that bombshell, <laughs> I'm fired. <laughs> After the BBC announced that Jeremy wouldn't be returning to the network, things seemed to happen pretty quickly. Andy Willman, Jeremy's school buddy turned executive producer, resigned from the network. The BBC offered both James May and Richard Hammond lucrative salaries to remain on for an additional series, which they both turned down. May stated, Me and Hammond with a surrogate Jeremy is a non-starter. It just wouldn't work. Hammond also chose not to renew his contract, which, which expired days after Jeremy, stating, To be clear, amidst all this talk of us quitting or not, there's nothing for me to quit. Not about to quit my mates anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm reading a book on tape. Uh, a change.org petition aiming to reverse the BBC's position was started on March 10th by right-wing blogger Guido Fox. Yeah. Like Guy, Guy Fox, but Guido Fox. Oh, what a cool yeah. guy. Yeah. Guy sounds fucking cool. <laughs> <laughs> the petition reached a million signatures by March 20th. My birthday. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the petition reached a million signatures by March 20th and was delivered to the BBC in an artillery vehicle driven by a man dressed as the Stig. Whoa. That's aggressive. At the time, Change.org said it was the fastest-growing campaign in the site's history. Yeah, Jeremy actually, like, did not want to be associated with this guy. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. As for Jeremy, he did his best, maybe. In March, he apparently told several people at a charity auction that the BBC have fucked themselves, but he also told his fans to stop trolling producer Oysen Tillman on social media and said that what happened wasn't his fault. Yeah, because he punched yeah, him in the yeah, face. What the hell, hey, dude. It wasn't his fault. I punched him in the face. Oh, my God. In April, he released his column in the Sunday Times about the so-called fracas. In it, he proclaimed that Top Gear was an all-consuming entity, a many-tentacled global monster that was dysfunctional and awkward and mad, but I loved it with a passion. I loved it like my own child. I hate my own child. I, I punch my own child. <laughs> I only punch part of my own child. 
I can't punch the whole child. <laughs> <laughs> Not at one time, anyway. The trick is put a telly, <laughs> a telly guide on the face, and then they don't get bruises. <laughs> a few months later, in November 2015, producer Tymon sued both Clarkson and the BBC for racial discrimination over the verbal abuse he received. Then in February, Jeremy formally apologized to Tymon and settled the claim for £100,000, $119,000 USD. As for the Simonstone Hall Hotel, where the infamous fracas occurred, there's a plaque dedicated to Jeremy Clarkson's dead career. Wow. <laughs> That's so British. Yeah. But did his career really die? Oh, we're going to find mean, out. I mean, imagine just being like a producer that has worked a 16-hour day, and you can't do anything. The kitchen is closed. Yeah. And then Jeremy, now you have like an state. army of like wieners coming at you, <laughs> threatening you and shit. Yeah, no, that's really messed up, dude. If there's anything to glean from this episode, it's that Jeremy Clarkson was born lucky. He, alongside Richard Hammond and James May and producer Andy Willman, started the Grand Tour on Amazon Prime, which premiered in November of 2016. That is the first thing he's ever made that has a decent name. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. The original title was Extreme Tour with Jeremy's <laughs> Big Arms. <laughs> <laughs> there have been four seasons of the show so far. The first three seasons were very similar in format to Top Gear and included car reviews and timed laps, motoring challenges and races, road trip journeys, studio segments, and celebrity guests. The team also kept the studio element, but it was within a large tent that probably smelled kind of musty, if we're being honest. During the first season, the tent was located in different locations around the world, but then became permanently located at Cotswolds. Cotswolds is a candy store <laughs> yeah. in London. Yeah. I liked the traveling tent kind of deal. That was kind of cool that they did that. The show might sound pretty similar to Top Gear, but the lawyers from Amazon were very specific in making sure the Grand Tour was not Top Gear. For example, quote, the lawyers said they could test the cars on track, but they could not post the times using handwritten signs at, as they had done on Top Gear, opting for a digital leaderboard. Apparently, the hosts also weren't allowed to describe locations as beautiful since they said <laughs> the word too much on Top Gear. That's wow, stupid. That's crazy. I just realized, is the D-list with the handwritten things, is that an homage to Top Gear? No. No? Never heard of it. Legally? It. Legally, never you have top, to say no. Never seen the show. Never seen Top Gear. Okay. <laughs> uh, season What's D-list? <laughs> yeah. Uh, season four switched up the format. Yeah, that was a that was a um, symptom of low budgets. <laughs> season four switched up the format and focused more on road trips and adventure specials, which I like yeah, a lot more. I like to. And with episodes released at select intervals. And for example, the first special titled Seaman was set in the Mekong Delta in Cambodia and Vietnam. It's so good. It's the best. It's so good. And he really kind of redeems himself quite a bit with the, uh, like just the reverence he had for the conflict. Um, again, he's like a huge military guy. Great piece of content or media or filmmaking or whatever. The most boomery name ever. Mm -hmm. Like, what if we called it Spam? We could say Spam. <laughs> yeah. No, that is seriously one of the best. Like, it's so good. And the, the Top Gear Clarkson canon, I think mm -hmm. that's like one of the best things ever yeah. done for sure. Like when I was watching it, there's like a moment where he's driving up the Delta and I like texted, I think you yeah. and a bunch of other people. I was like, dude, he's the best. Yeah. He's so good at what he does. Yeah. 
Apparently, this episode had a particular effect on Jeremy, as he stated that the, quote, graphic demonstration of climate change impacts in the region were genuinely alarming. Yeah. Uh, though he still doubted that it was driven by human activity. Why do you think it's done by it? Who, who does it? Dinosaurs. The, the Labor Party. The cow's farts. But then later that year, he called teen environmental activist Greta Thunberg a spoiled brat. So... You know, you got to have balance, I guess. In any case, the Grand Tour has been pretty popular since it began, but due to the pandemic and travel restrictions, filming didn't start up again until the team went to Norway in March of this year. So you got another, got another special coming for you. In addition to Grand Tour, Jeremy has also starred in one season of an Amazon show called Clarkson's Farm, which is pretty much about Jeremy and his 1,000-acre farm in the Cotswolds. I'm going to find my favorite farm this <laughs> This year. <laughs> the the cast includes his girlfriend since 2017, Irish-born former actress and screenplay writer Lisa Hogan, who helps run the farm shop. Who's um Hulk Hogan's mom. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy also returned to Top Gear at the end of 2021 as he appeared in a special memorial episode for the recently deceased former co-presenter Sabine Schmitz. Jeremy Clarkson is a complicated figure. His career is filled with highs and lows, cringy foot-and-mouth moments, and random half-assed apologies. Yet, he's the reason that we're here talking to you. He's responsible for opening up car culture to people in over 200 countries worldwide. There's no denying his importance to millions. Something that may be important to remember about Jeremy Clarkson is that he was ruthlessly bullied as a child. So it makes sense why he grew up to be a grumpy old guy with an anti-authoritarian streak. He's a big believer in personal freedom, even though he spent the greater part of his career working for a partially government-funded network who paid him a lot of money. Now, despite that, he believes that the government should build park benches, and that's it. They should leave us alone. They paid you yeah. money. Perhaps <laughs> that's why, uh, perhaps that's the best way to enjoy Jeremy himself, to appreciate him for his contributions to the world of motors, but otherwise... Leave him alone. Also, the government pays for the roads that you drive on so you can shoot your show. Yeah, and especially in England, they, like, subsidize a lot of the auto industry. Mm -hmm. hmm. I think he's a shithead who's really good at his job. Yeah. There and you I go. think He's a little short-sighted on a lot of things. Well, uh, I think he's a, just a piece of shit. I think he's a huge <laughs> piece of shit who's really good at one thing, and I don't think that that's enough to, like, counter at balance. I think you have to really try and be a good person um, as well as be good at talking about cars. And I think that because of Jeremy Clarkson, that's what we try and do here. And I think you get to a point when you're as big as him where you're an authority on something as well, where you kind of stop self-assessing and you're just like, I don't know. I feel like there's so, so many opportunities where he could have like learned and mm -hmm. grown as a person mm -hmm. where he was mm -hmm. just like so proud of himself. Pig headed. Yeah. Yeah. That he just didn't think to do it. So yeah, there's some lessons to be learned here, but best he's ever done it. Yeah. All right. Now we got some fan mail from Logan. I've been listening to past gas and loving it all since the first episode. And oh, I've thanks. never had any criticism to give until I listened to the Danica Patrick episode. Everyone briefly praised Dale Earnhardt Jr. for being a great guy, which I would probably agree with if he hadn't hit on my mom. <laughs> <laughs> they, both grew up, <laughs> they both grew up in the same area of North Carolina, and my mom worked as a cashier 
This is the mid-90s. According to her, one day he came through her line and asked her out in a pretty cocky way. She politely turned him down, causing him to spiral into a do-you-know-who-I-am bit. Hmm. Anyway, that's my Dale Earnhardt Jr. story. Nothing really came of it, but I thought <laughs> someone at Donut might get a kick. Yeah, we, we got a kick out of it. Wow. Well, thank you, Logan. Dang. Yeah, I do. Dale Jr. Dale Jr. You know who I am? You know who my I don't think it was is? like, it probably wasn't like a do you know who I am. It's like, it's probably like hey, you know I'm Dale Earnhardt Jr. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, something like that, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, she said it said yes. <laughs> yeah. You'd be writing to us from a large mansion. Hey, I'm writing to you from a giant <laughs> helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for that fan mail. Uh, thanks for sticking with us since the first episode. That's so th Just thank, thank you, Logan. Thank you, Logan. Yeah, thank you, Logan. And thank you, listener, for listening to this episode. This is a really fun one. I... What a journey. Um, follow the boys on all social media at James Pumphrey, yeah. at Joe G. Weber. Follow me at Nolan J. Sykes. Oh. Thank you very much to our producers this week, Christina Felsky and Gavin Kinzel. And also, everyone who's worked on this show. Uh, thank you to the, all the Donut staff who have uh, helped us along this long journey. I love you guys so much. I do. All right. I love you guys so much. <laughs> I've never seen this man before in my life. <laughs>